Asia Pacific currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest、uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at nine o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Link. Good morning, morning, and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents. I know Pierre tried to get in there, but no. I did. I did get back in. This is my first show back for. Is it, it really? Well,、uh, I still intend to speak over the top of you, Pierre.、Right. So、that's... don't don't lull yourself into a false sense of security. No, no, no. Don't worry. I, I don't. That that、uh, was lost many many years ago. <laughs> but anyway, it's it's good to be welcome back. Welcome back.、Uh, welcome back,、right. Pierre. That's right. That was very good. And thanks to Annie for another interesting Annie and the crew now. Annie and the crew. Yes, there's a yes. whole crew. Yes, we'll call them that、uh, for sort of breakfast. And those、uh, music, music songs or those songs that you heard was、um, uh, 2024 by All Socks, which was interesting, and a bit of an excerpt from、uh, Kef Kamadi Rivers of Tears. But I、uh, misjudged the time, so I had to cut it. Uh, down, but anyway, that's that's what happens. But、uh, of course, Asia Pacific Islands is brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links. And if you want to find us or get in touch with us, we're on the web or the w's dot a a w l dot org dot a u. We're on Facebook and Twitter, so find us on those social media platforms. But of course, if you want to get in touch with us directly, you can email us at a a w l at a a w l dot org dot a u. That's right, and、um, I'm happy to to. Announced that we have been back on podcasting again after unfortunate、uh, break、uh, due to unforeseen circumstances. Wasn't that right, Giselle? Were the unforeseen circumstances <laughs> you going on holidays? Because that was foreseeable. And what plan did you put in place in your absence for the podcast, Pierre? Well, Giselle, if you want to really want to air our dirty laundry in public, you were, you were the plan. <laughs> oh, it was me.、Pl- it was you. So、um, should we just leave it there? Yeah, let's、gone? leave it there. Yes. <laughs> so obviously we've got the usual news roundup、um, for the、um, for the show coming up, but also we've got a、uh, interview in the second half of the program. That's right. In the second part of the program, we're going to be speaking with Manuel de Rosario. He is a secretary general of Migrante Australia.、Um, for those of you who don't know about Migrante, it is the、um, I guess the expat. Uh, organization of migrant workers from the Philippines.、Uh, it's an international network.、Um, and Manuel was also the Philippines election coordinator here in Australia. He's based in Sydney. We're going to be talking about the Philippines' disastrous election result、um, and what that means for the country. Well, disastrous, depending on probably from our point of view, but、uh, yes. There's only one point of view, Pierre, and that's ours. That's good. That's what we like to hear. And I think you've got the first、uh, news item. That's right. So, of course, first up on the program today, news from around the region, and we're going to start.、Uh, <coughs> uh, we're looking at an, an international campaign to support victimised workers. A couple of weeks ago, on the 17th of May, Rennie Desmiria, who is the secretary of the SP. BMI union that organises workers at the Lampung Seafood Factory at Bumi Manera in Tanusa,、uh, which is which is short or、um, the acronym for which is BMI. He was arrested. The workers at this factory have not only fought hard to organise a union, but 
have also waged a determined campaign since 2012 to put an end to widespread abuses and the rampant use of casual workers. The pretext for the arrest of Rennie was that the company suddenly discovered that Rennie had submitted a fake high school certificate to get hired. The company alerted the police and is pressing for the maximum criminal penalty to be given to Rennie, which is six years. It's a clear case of union busting and the workers have responded by organising daily mass protests outside the factory, while the IUF, the International Food Workers Union, has launched an international solidarity campaign. Uh, that's right, and it's fantastic to see the workers um, really uh, backing their leader. And just one little correction, uh, it's a woman, not a guy. Oh, gosh, that, that was that, a uh, massive mistake. I apologise, comrades. That's right. That's, oh, don't worry, he won't, he won't be forgotten. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, we go to um, South Korea where um, there's been an interesting uh, uh, struggle going on, and um, I'll actually make uh, some more comments because there's been some very recent developments. Um, around two and a half thousand Hyundai heavy industry um, workers um, have been rallying in front of the um, Anman Hall in the city of Ulsan. It's uh, it's the southern port city from the start of this week because last Friday, May 31st, shareholders uh, were going to have a big meeting of the company. And at this meeting, the company was going to decide or had planned to spin off the um, Honda Heavy Industry Workers and debt into a new company while converting the existing company, which will have all the patents, uh, most of the cash and assets, into an intermediate holding company to pave the way for taking over Daewoo shipbuilding. So it was basically asset stripping and the workers would have been left with nothing. This is, a, this is a tactic that has been used globally to restructure a company without paying its workers or other liabilities. Now, the um, HHI, the Honda Heavy Industries workers, obviously saw this as a tactic to basically leave them high and dry. So they went and uh, picketed. They actually not only picketed, they said this um, meeting will not go ahead. So they actually took over the building and they surrounded the building. Now, they were joined by thousands of other workers in a show of solidarity, especially when um, it was uh, announced that the company had hired an extra 1,000 security guards to supplement the already large contingent of police that was already there. There were thousands, thousands of police there. There was a, You can go and see the... Um, the uh, the photos now the obviously yesterday that was it was a day of high drama and incredible tension with thousands of workers massed and um, and thousands of police and security guards about an hour and a half before the scheduled meeting an official of the company went from one of the top floors of the building and threw out lots of leaflets to the people underneath and then a couple of other employees uh, senior managers unfurled a huge banner uh, down the side of the building, and both the leaflets and the um, and the uh, banner announced that the general meeting had been shifted to uh, to the other side of town in about um, an hour's time. Now, of course, you'd think, like, what all? What is all that about? It's because they had to give legal and public notice that the meeting was going to be shifted. So it seemed no one actually knows whether that meeting actually happened or not. It seems that the meeting was over in two minutes. So um, the workers were did uh, total disrupt, really highlight the situation. And now I think the issue is going to go into courts whether or not um, the company actually gave a two-hour public notice of the meeting being shifted.
It <clears throat> it does show what the difference is between uh, when you use your power, your industrial power, to actually apply pressure industrially versus when you don't. Um, uh, no, I, I could not agree more. This <laughs> no is no not- need to compare to the Australian level. Oh, oops, there we did. We just did. <laughs> It wasn't like having 10 people at the shareholders meeting saying, hey, I don't agree with this. This was a massive show of force. So well done. That's all I can say. In Thailand, uh, in February of this year, another three Lao-based activists who were critics of Thailand's ruling junta vanished, uh, last heard from in Vietnam. It sent a clear message to Thai anti-dictatorship activists who are residing in nearby countries. Exiled activists believe that the Thai military government has created a task force of around 700 operatives whose job it is to find and neutralise anti-dictatorship activists. With the new military-backed government about to be sworn into Thailand, anti-government activists have gone deeper underground or are looking to move to countries further away from Thailand. Of course, we know that this also happened to comrades in Malaysia um, who were deported back to Thailand to basically face a military court for their descent to the... um, to the Thai government. That's right, and the situation is, is quite brutal and, and terrible there, especially now that the uh, election, the free elect, so-called free elections were over, and after a few months, seemingly, the military is again in control, which is not a surprise. Um, we go nearby to Myanmar, where on the 14th and 15th of May, during the period of Ramadan, a group of armed nationalists forced the shutdown of three temporary places of worship used by Muslims in the main city of Yangon. And in the context of uh, Myanmar, when we talk about nationalists, we usually mean far-right Buddhist uh, elements. Given the mass killings against the Rohingyas over the last couple of years, such actions created mass panic among the city's uh, Muslim people. Fortunately, though, immediately after these actions, a group of local Buddhists visited these places of worship to offer their solidarity. They have also organised a campaign called the White Rose Solidarity Campaign as a counter to the hate of the nationalists. This campaign is now uh, rapidly spreading throughout the country and is acting as a defence mechanism against the far-right Buddhist elements. And in the Philippines, the Korean-owned Daegyong Company, located in the Cavite Export Processing Zone of the Philippines. Uh, That company employs around a 1,000 manufacturing workers that are mostly producing goods for retail giant coal. The workers were able to form a union at this factory just a couple of months ago with the aim of resolving workplace grievances such as low pay, lack of benefits, precarious work and violations of labour standards. The company immediately responded by pressuring workers to resign from the union or otherwise the factory would be closed down. The company even tried to get workers to sign anti-union pledges. The union has filed petitions to try to secure its future, but clearly the struggle is just beginning against this attempt at union busting. That's right. It's a very common story. And uh, before I go to the next um, story, which is in New Zealand, just to remind people that Radiothon period is coming up and our Radiothon show, uh, it starts on the 3rd of June, and our, so it's Monday, and our Radiothon program is on the 15th of uh, of June, so in two weeks' time, and the radio's got $250,000 to get, so put those pennies away and get that credit card out. 
Um, but we go to New Zealand where last Wednesday more than there was a huge strike by teachers where more than 50,000 primary and high school teachers went on strike in the biggest industrial action ever seen um, for New Zealand schools. Since the Labour coalition government took power in late 2017, teachers have held three strikes calling for pay rises, better working conditions and more respect for their profession. But the latest one-day strike, i.e. last um, Wednesday, is the first um, time primary and high school teachers have united in action, dubbing Wednesday's protest a mega-strike. The workers have so far turned down three pay rise offers from the government of 3% and say they want 15% at least to continue their work. The government has so far not increased its offer, but teachers are adamant that they will continue to agitate until the issues are resolved. So well done, comrades, and keep up the fight. And still amongst our comrades in the teaching industry, but this time in South Korea, a few days before the 30th anniversary of the establishment of the Korean Teachers and Education Workers Union, tens of thousands of South Korean teachers held a mass rally. Their demand was for the government to cancel its 2013 decision to strip their union of its legal status and that fired teachers be allowed to return to their jobs. The KTU was deregistered during a period of intense industrial action with many teachers losing their jobs due to their union activism. The government wanted the KTU to expel these dismissed teachers from the union. Both the dismissal of the teachers and the deregistration of the union are still being fought in the courts. It's just incredible, a lot of these issues, especially from South Korea, but also from other countries, how long-running they are and how long our comrades fight for. So we take our hat off to them, if we had hats. But anyway, <laughs> it's a matter of speaking for the people out there. But anyway, that's the end of the news roundup. It's just on 14 past 9 o'clock. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents here on your favourite community radio station, 3CR Radio. We'll go to a couple of community announcements and then we'll be back with the interview with uh, Manuel about the Philippine elections. In 2019, 3CR has the power. Add your support during the annual Radiothon to Power Radical Radio. Radiothon starts 3rd of June. To donate, call 039419 8377 or donate online at 3cr.org.au. 3CR Radiothon 2019. Power Radical Radio. CR, always bringing you the latest union news. They're coming after us at the moment. They want to get rid of penalty rates, the big push from businesses. They want to get rid of all the things that you and I have fought for. So there's tens of thousands of jobs gone, contracted out to sham contracting arrangements. On 8.55am and on the web, 3cr.org.au. It's just 9.15 on this beautiful Saturday morning here in Melbourne, Australia, listening to 3CR, your favourite community radio station, to Pierre and Giselle, in your favourite program of your favourite radio station, uh, Asia Pacific Currents. And, um, of course, um, Radiothon, we look forward to seeing your support. But uh, we've come up uh, with the first, uh, with our interview, Giselle. 
That's right. This morning we're speaking with Manuel de Rosario. He's the Secretary General of Migrante Australia and he was a Philippines election coordinator. Welcome, Manuel. Yep, good morning. I'm Manuel de Rosario, the Secretary General of uh, Migrante Australia. Thank you. Um, the Philippines held a series of elections on the 13th of May for a dozen senators, 245 seats in the lower house, as well as mayors, governors and other lesser posts. The results showed a comprehensive victory to allies of President Duterte. What do you think were the main issues that gave him this victory? Yeah, uh, the government resources, patronage, and what networks were shamelessly used to promote the administration best. Secondly, maliciously spread disinformation about the opposition. On the day itself, there were widespread reports of appreciated ballots and vote buying committed with impunity. And also, the police and military broke their mandated neutrality. The police actively spread lies and black propaganda against opposition candidates, progressive party lists, and the Makabayan bloc, even falsely claiming that these were disqualified. And on the social media, and even in voting present, the police and military broke their mandated neutrality. They actively spread lies and black propaganda against opposition candidates, progressive party lists, and the Makabayan black, even falsely claiming that these were disqualified military presence was reported inside Mindanao precinct. It is very difficult to independently ascertain that no anomalies were committed in Mindanao while under martial law. And that's why we can say that uh, still uh, they have the, what you call the three Gs, the guns, gold, and guns. Thank you for, for that, uh, Manuel. You've you really described uh, some of the difficulties that uh, obviously the the left uh, had in, in these elections. And um, can you describe some of the ways that the left tried to counter this disinformation? Obviously, it was very difficult. Okay. Uh, you mean uh, the left? Uh, yep. Duterte has the, co- the total control of the Commission on Elections. And the military and police personnel who were deputized for election duties, especially in Mindanao, which is under martial law. And in the other areas designated as trouble spots of the Commonwealth, the military and the police. The whole of Mindanao and the so-called trouble spot is popped, are already under martial law. The public school teachers and people from various walks of life 
are being retaliated for the purpose of mass intimidation and extrajudicial killings. Opposition candidates are at a huge disadvantage. Yep. Uh, yes, those are the... So, President Duterte's three years in, in power has seen massive human rights violations, the so-called war on drugs. You've talked a little bit about those violations. Do you think there will be an intensification of this crackdown? Yeah. Uh, the the crackdown will still continue. Um, Duterte has more than two-thirds majority in the Senate and is in the position to dictate the realization of his party's dictatorship through charter chains to bogus federalism and declare martial law, martial law nationwide at his whim. There will be increased violations of human rights and extrajudicial killings and the so-called drug addicts to cover up the involvement of his allies in massive selling of illegal drugs. And um, so um, in talking about the, what's going to happen, uh, President Duterte, Duterte has said he wants to introduce capital punishment amid uh, many other initiatives, and that also he, will, he wants to increase his powers. Do you think he'll do that? Yes, uh, it, he will surely do that. He has ruled the country through terror, openly in Mindanao, and in the countryside, and through threats, killing, and intimidation elsewhere. His illusory win will embolden him to continue to do so and more. It will push the Philippine society further to a fascist state by reviving the death penalty, lowering the minimum age of criminal responsibility, and requiring citizens to train and eventually serve the military. This illusory win will bring about total fascist dictatorship. Where do these elections leave the Filipino labour movement? Were issues like job security, employment and wages part of the election campaign? Uh, with, with the win, Duterte will capitalise his illusory victory to push more of his brutal and virulent policies. He is set to order his newly minted minions to pass his state federalism through charter change that would set him up as a head of state for as long as he wants or as long as he's falling, failing hold aside from his overriding ambition to become a divested dictator.
this charter change will open up the economy and the country will to foreign investors. A, a euphemism for selling out the country's water, land, and labor resources to the highest bidder. Therefore, will put the job security, employment, and wages at the hands of the foreign investors whose interest is to gain more profit and are known to exploit workers. Um, you've you've really um, um, created or given a, a quite a negative picture of what will happen, and that Duterte will probably intensify repression against uh, his critics. What do you think uh, can international solidarity movement do to support labour and human rights activists in the Philippines? So, what can we do to to support um, activists in the Philippines? Yep. Uh uh, thanks for that. Uh, the National Democratic Forces, with its leader, the Bayan Alliance, or what you call the Filipino People's Patriotic Alliance, see the the Philippine election as one of the major conditions as favorable to expand and strengthen the broad anti-fascist and anti-tyranny United Front. Building the broadest United Front is the key to defeating the U.S. Duterte region. It must arouse and mobilize the Filipino people in their millions and manifest their political will in demonstrations and other forms of mass action. In Australia, the solidarity movement with the Philippine struggle continues to deepen and first, it does this by strengthening its current solidarity formation, such as the Action for Peace and Development in the Philippines, Philippines-Australia Solidarity Association, the Philippine-Australia Union Link, and the International Coalition for Human Rights in the Philippines-Australia Chapter. And uh, to support the labor movement in the Philippines, you can uh, just please call Peter Murphy. Peter Murphy, uh, 0418-312-301. And Peter Murphy is the Secretary General, Secretary of the Philippine-Australia Union Link. And uh, to support the human rights activists in the Philippines, please call Sister Pat, 0423-233. 152. Sister Pat is the convener for the International Coalition for, for Human Rights in the Philippines Australia chapter. Uh, and thanks for having me on your radio program. Manuel de Rosario, thank you so much for your time on the program this morning and for letting us know about the situation in the Philippines. Yep. You're that- welcome and thanks a lot too. That was Secretary-General of Migrante Australia and the Philippines Election Coordinator Manuel de Rosario with a analysis of the, um, f- the recent May 13 elections in the Philippines. Yes, um, really quite terrible um, what will happen now with the increased powers to the 
um, administration of President Duterte. The 3CR Radiothon is fast approaching. And this year, we're asking you to power Radical Radio. That's right. It's with your support that we're able to be independent, community-controlled and focused on people rather than profits. Your support during Radiothon powers the station to give voice to hundreds of people and issues for another year. And remember, any amount you can afford makes a big difference and all donations over $2 are tax-deductible. 3CR Radiothon 2019. June the 3rd to the 16th. Power Radical Radio. We're coming to the end of another program of Asia Pacific Currents. I hope you enjoyed that uh, program and uh, we'll certainly be back uh, next week. Well, I should say I'll be back for the next two weeks because someone here... I'll listen to you. Yeah, somebody needs a break. (laughs) (laughs) Never mind the eight-week break that you just had. Eight. Uh, see these young people just prone to uh, exaggeration. Prone to exaggeration. <laughs> anyway, we really have to go. It's we've got about thirty seconds. So, um, thanks for listening. You've been listening to Asia Pacific Currents, brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links here on your favourite community radio station, Three CR Radio. We'll be back next week, but stay tuned to Three CR and Palestine. Remember, uh, coming up uh, straight after us. But this is all from me, Pierre Morrow, and me, Giselle Hanna. Did you enjoy listening to that podcast? Here at 3CR, we're a community radio station and you're part of the family. Right now is Radiothon, when we ask our community to pitch in with a few dollars that can keep our broadcasts alive. It's easy to donate. Head to 3cr.org.au slash donate. Your support really matters. Only you can power radical podcasts for another year. For more information and hours of great radio, go to 3cr.org.au.